0: Awesome. Are you having a good time? Good. So I realized today the last time I spoke up here was in February. Yeah, uh, and literally feels like centuries ago. And I feel very out of practice. It's weird. It is true. I, I can understand why. You know, you put me in a dance studio, fine. It's like it just comes naturally. I'm sure you feel the same, Jenny, you know, when you're teaching or whatever. But this is like a whole different kettle of fish. It really is. It's funny. I can, I can talk anybody down about any topic ever. But give me something to say up here and I almost, you almost go a little bit dysfunctional. It's, it's really quite weird. You're sat with your notes and you almost like mis- don't understand words and you think, what is going on? Anyway, I am excited to speak to you tonight. Uh, that's partly because I go on holiday tomorrow. Well, in an hour, actually 40 minutes, I'll be out of here now. <laughs> As you can see, I'm quite excited. Uh, so that will either make me worse at preaching or better. We'll see. Who knows? Um... So the first thing I'd like to say is, I can understand that sometimes... Actually, I'm going to put my water bottle down first, because Claire always tells me, shake it around. I understand that sometimes sat for 35 minutes listening to a talk is not everybody's cup of tea. So, for example, for me, I'm someone who likes to listen to lots of theory. I really enjoy that. Whereas other people find they prefer more practical things, and everybody has different ways of learning, and I understand that. However... For those of you potentially, maybe younger ones, I'm not just categorizing you, but maybe younger ones who maybe aren't as used to this sort of setup, I really just want, I'm going to try and keep it as short as I can, to really pay attention to what I'm going to say tonight because I genuinely believe it's a topic that really, really will impact everybody's life. And if we'll only get to grips with some of the things I'm going to say, I do think it can have an impact not only on your life, but the world around us. Um, So just engage with me for about 35 minutes and... It will do you the world of good. So how many of you would agree that the way that we view things or perceive things has a massive impact on our experience in life? Would you agree with that? Yeah? So um, I don't know who's on slides tonight. Have we got them ready? Okay. So we just put up the first slide. Jared sent me this this week, and it was quite fascinating. So it says what? So I heard both. I heard one saying one, one and the other. And both of you were actually right. And that's the amazing thing. So, okay, put your hand up. Let's, just, let's, let's do this. Put your hand up if you, th- if you saw, you matter, don't give up. Put your hand up if you saw, you don't matter, give up. Right, okay. But it's interesting because we immediately think that because it's a less number, greater number, that that makes any difference. It is literally just to do with perception. Now, I thought... That was fascinating because I'll tell you what I didn't even see the other one existing so you don't matter give up I, I didn't even recognize that because I just saw the two things but then when it said on the on the tweet on depending on how you read this and actually we're all going through life and every single second of our days we're posed with different things that we will perceive in very different ways I had a, a situation this week with someone and they told me some information And I responded with, well, that's absolutely fantastic news. And they replied, oh, I'm in such a state, I just can hardly even cope. I thought it was awesome, but this person had thought it was just absolutely devastating. And it was the same information that we were listening to, but clearly we're responding to it and seeing it in very, very different ways. And I do believe that um, that is affecting us all the time. And and the premise of my talk tonight is going to wean us into some more detail about how this affects us so another thing when particularly me when i get up and and speak i'm so aware that what i'm bringing is very much applicable to me and i would be lying if i was to say that i had put this into practice maybe there's some elements that i'm getting more of a grip on but and the chris jenny or anybody who talks would would say that It's amazing how much stuff we get to learn here, but the question is, how much of it do we actually put into the practicalities of our everyday life? Because let's just get real for a second. If we're offering a product, which is the church and Christianity or the whole concept of community, if there's nothing different about what we've understood and therefore the way that we outwork our lives, you could say, what is our Unique selling points, do you get what I 'm saying? If it 's just well, we go and we listen, but really, actually, we still think the same things and talk the same things as everybody else. in a way, that 's not going to give people a vibe that says there's something about these where they seem to have grasped a practicality about the outworkings of life. Does that make sense? And I really want to be there. Um, Chris mentioned um, a while back, I think it was on a, a Wednesday night when we did like an engage, talked about you know what people need is not a better relationship with God, but a better relationship with themselves. And some of you tonight might have been told all your life, you know, you need to really dig deep and build your relationship with God, particularly those who are brought up in a very strict Christian family. Um, so when someone says, no, this is actually about building a better relationship with you, it almost comes with a, a little bit of a shock. It's like, I matter. You know, actually, I, I should nurture me. I should care for me. And we realize that actually in understanding who you are, that's where then God shows his true colors. And that's the incredible revelation um, of it all. Now, conventional Christianity has often tried to present something that suggests that you aren't enough and therefore we have to divert divert the focus onto something that's beyond and outside of ourselves. And to some degree, that's what's kept the conventional church in business in a way because we're saying there's a problem with you And therefore, we can offer you a solution to fix you. But in a way, if you fix them, then they don't need you anymore. So in a way, it's this constant battle of almost keeping people feeling like there's a problem in order that they keep coming back. Is this making sense? It's just just a fact. Um, Now, I personally believe the greatest issue facing mankind, me personally, you might not agree with this, but this is what I feel, is a persistent feeling of a lack of self-love and unworthiness. That to me is one of the greatest, if not the greatest problem facing mankind. Now, we watch a lot of things, we hear a lot of things, we see a lot of things. Some people will think, well, no terrorism is, You know, people are dying, physically dying, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if you were to go a hundred steps back before the incident that you witnessed that you think is the problem happens, you would have to identify where does it all start? And this is where sometimes we can go wrong. We can look at a situation that happens in a moment and believe, well, it's just that. When actually you would not believe of the process that has actually occurred and gone on in somebody's life that has led them to that position. And and it's important to be aware of that. So I believe a lack of self-love and a persistent feeling of unworthiness is what leads us to this state that we're in. So who in here, again, let's just be honest with each other. Who in here on some occasion in, in their life or in your life Have you felt a lack of self-love and felt unworthy? Yeah, so pretty much everyone, yeah. It can be at different degrees, but at some point in our lives, we have felt that niggle, yeah. Now, there's a scripture in Matthew 18, verse 3, if you can just put that up for me, that says this. Unless you change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of people have taught this as the kingdom of heaven being an eternal realm that we go to when we die. Now, you can listen to some of the preachers that Chris has brought about this. If we go with that, there are some problems that that raises. So I'm not going to teach that tonight, but you can go and listen to our, our things online. Um, the reason why I believe that that's not the case, that he's talking about a realm after we die, is because in Luke 17, 21, it says, Did you not know the kingdom of heaven is within You. So if the kingdom of heaven is within you, and he says, Unless you change and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven, he's somehow suggesting you need to enter this place that's within you. So it's a very internal thing. So let's just take a child for a second. Again, Chris talked about this a while back. She talked about the qualities of a child and what we understand from that. Um, So, what are the characteristics? I don't have a child, but I get to witness you know, lots of your children when they're they're first brought and then as they gradually grow up and to see some of the little differences and things that start to change, it is really quite fascinating to see how things develop. I personally believe that when Jesus was referring to the child, he was talking about this innate sense of worthiness that existed within this being. And and bear with me and and I'll say why I came to that thought. Now this, of course, doesn't mean that that is maintained through our lives. It mustn't be maintained because the people that he was talking to were saying, unless you change and become like this little child, and they were grown-ups. But they will have once been a little child. But he was telling them, unless you become like this little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, the question is, what did Jesus actually mean when he was saying, unless you change and become? So firstly, we need to ask some of these questions If he's referring to the child state of feeling totally worthy, how do we as adults, right, go back to that? How do we regain that worthiness, enter back into it, as clearly Jesus was suggesting that whatever was going on in this child's life was where the kingdom was? Yeah? So we need to figure out what was happening. So we need to ask these questions. What is worthiness? And how is the feeling achieved? Now, I was wary about using that word achieved, but bear with me. How do we lose this feeling as we grow up? And what do we do to get it back? So I've called my talk tonight, Regaining Worthiness, an Inside Job, which I think is a great title. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's start with this. What is worthiness? Let me just put the slide. Great. So worthiness is the state of being totally aligned with who you truly are. Alignment with who you truly are is seeing yourself through the eyes of the creator with the absolute belief that you are beautiful and loved unconditionally and consistently without question. In other words, to experience the wholeness that is you. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great, doesn't it? We're all thinking, hmm... How do we get there? Yeah? So again, you might want to take a snapshot of that because I think that's great to look at. That's what I believe worthiness is. So here's the other thing that we need to look at. Let's look at the flip side. What is unworthiness? Unworthiness is the state of being totally disconnected with who you truly are. Disconnection with who you truly are is not seeing yourselves through the eyes of the creator with the absolute belief that you are ugly, loved, conditionally, and inconsistently, and with question. In other words, to not experience the wholeness that is you. I think it's quite powerful. There's a lot to learn from that. We we'll could just leave it there, couldn't we? So how does this disconnect happen? Now, um, I don't know if you remember, Amps mentioned a lot about the Celtics, on how they believed that there was basically... Millimeters in between the physical and the eternal and that they all ran, ran parallel to each other So basically it was literally one step and you were existing in a in a completely different realm um, <clears throat> So let's look at it this way a child knows nothing other than to simply be it has to learn and experience What is yeah? It has a one-track mind that has no conditions call that the eternal self or Maybe think of it in Eden, Garden of Eden, no understanding of right and wrong, very much just living, being, breathing, being what they were meant to be, with no comparisons, nothing like that, just being. But as the child's physical surroundings start to interfere, and we get involved, that one-track mind becomes two, then three, then four, then five, and there's all these strands of thoughts that start to flow. That's interesting, because remember, if you look at the Genesis story of the serpent, we used to call it the sucker punch, didn't we? The lie was, did God really say that? Somehow suggesting, it's interesting, that the very first thing that was said was, you are a problem, in a way. You know, there's, there's, there's something going on here. You can, you can be bigger than you are, or do you get what I'm saying? Um, over time, what happens is, the child starts to become conditioned to various ways of thinking, losing their receptiveness and become more like observers than receivers and this is when this nasty thing called comparisons starts to happen we've all been there we were all a child we're now all adults well a lot of us are and i'm sure you will have watched the shift even as you've maybe got older watching how certain things have maybe got worse or maybe they've improved. But it's interesting, isn't it, if we don't fix the things quickly, how fast that starts to roller coaster downhill. Right, so, put the next slide, please. There we go. The only hindrance to worthiness and that which ultimately causes the erosion of it is comparing who you are and what you want, what you want to what others are and what they want, and you and what you have got with others and what they have got. I'm going to read that again because it's a real tongue twister. The only hindrance to worthiness and that which ultimately causes the erosion of it is comparing who you are and what you want to what others are and what they want And you and what you have got with others and what they have got that's where the problem starts and I know that that happens to me on a daily basis seriously it honestly does just before I came on the stage tonight there were things going around my head I'm thinking this is insane like I know what I'm about to talk about but you find yourself processing this stuff and thinking where is all this kind of you know where has it all happened So we start to come to conclusions that somehow others are living the life we want. Is this all making sense? Yeah. When the majority of the time they are not. Let's just make that clear. And so we use their life as a club that works against us as we start to compare them getting what they want and therefore pointing out the things that we don't feel we have. It's true, it's just true. Like, and you know, it's good that we can giggle because you know, as I'm saying it, I hope you're recognizing some of the natural things, the things that have become natural in the way that we approach life, yeah? So you're all with me, good. So let's make it practical. We see cars, we see houses, we see good jobs, we see posts on Facebook, we see weddings, we see all this, stuff. we see boyfriends, we see pretty people, whatever you hear where I'm coming from, right? If you aren't in the right frame of mind, right, which is why, in all honesty, which is why I really pulled back from social media, and just being honest with you, I pulled back from social media because my eyes, where I was at, could not handle some of the things that I saw. No one was doing anything wrong. It was just my perception of what I believed about me that was the problem. But basically, you see certain things that you don't believe you have and believe that somehow everything's okay on the other side. And what does that equal? I must be unworthy. Does that make sense? That's the only possible outcome to that thought. Or it can be the other way around. Let's flip it around. When we see someone struggling or falling out with family or splitting up with a partner or whatever, and you have a better job and you've just bought a better car, that can then make you feel Worthy. But you see, both are actually completely wrong perspectives. That is not what worthiness is. So we've got to be careful. Again, worthiness is nothing to do with what you have. It's to do with experience the fullness that is you, just you. Yeah? And, and it is quite incredible. So listen to this, and this is a really important point. You can never accurately judge what another person is experiencing because we have no ways of accurately assessing where they are in relationship to where they want to be. You hear that? So we can view things as somehow making everything okay, but we don't even know what they want in their life, so we start making all kinds of judgments and assessments when we have not the foggiest clue what anybody else is thinking about their experience on this earth. Would you agree with me? But, we're quick to make assessments, aren't we? Very quick, yeah? You can never compare, never, what someone else is living and what you are living because the two aren't the same. They're just not. Even similarities are going to be different because, again, like the slide that I showed at the beginning, your whole, the whole way that you were raised and whatever, you are going to view things in a very, very different way. Let this release you because this is a real key point into, you know, where I'm heading with this. So life then becomes a careful management, hear this, of the feeling of worthiness, which would we could say is alignment with you, yeah? And disalignment, that which contradicts you being worthy. Hence why we get things, listen, like prayer, meditation, people going to spas, people having facials, lots of different... Acts that we do to somehow—that's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with going to spas and having facials, by the way. I just had to add. Yeah, yeah. Or praying or meditating. But there is—but there is a problem if those things are a result of you feeling you need those in order to somehow find a sense of worthiness. Do you get what I'm saying? And it becomes—it becomes like a. A managing act like oh I feel low and I feel like they're getting more or I see this and I don't like it and everything looks all you know rosy on the other side so if I go and do this for myself then somehow I'll be able to bridge that gap and my life will be okay again but then when you have bridge the gap you realize that actually that what isn't what the problem was which makes you then feel worse so the whole cycle just starts again yeah now, we were, we were talking, we were picking songs out on, uh, on Thursday. We've talked a lot about the chasm. And now we understood that actually there never was really a gap. Um, there's never been a gap. There's never been any separation. You'll be know, singing songs like nothing will separate. But then we still feel that there's a gap. But I do believe there is a chasm. I do believe there is. And it's interesting because I understand what that chasm is. If... If God and man were never separate from, but yet their focus changed to believe that they were separate from, then no matter what God thinks, in a way, you have chosen your path. That's the beauty of freedom. And you have decided that you are separate from. So in a way, a chasm does exist. But that chasm has occurred because you've stepped out of rather than something stepping away from You Now, do you hear the difference? It was drummed into me all my life that the fall made God step away from you. And that's where all the problems came in. Because actually, you go into the next verse of Scripture, and God's speaking to people just as he spoke before. He's putting marks on people in order that they're safe. Do you hear? It didn't seem like the personality changed. So the question is, well, what did change? The question is, our perception of the separation changed. And, you know, that's where we often get into a mess. So what are the coping mechanisms then? How do we cope with these feelings? So we are now in this place of feeling unworthy, which can feel very unsettling. So we start to look for people to fill the gap. Yeah? And I know that I can be guilty of this. So what we do is we try and surround ourselves with people who seem to love us and appreciate us and make us feel better about life It's an experience we want to feel all the time because it's just so great. But this is what happens. We start to need their undivided attention in order to make us feel better. So our worthiness is now based on what they're giving us. Yeah? Has anybody else been there before? Because I know, know, well, I still am sometimes. Now, the problem is here. If they, for some reason, ever stop showing you that attention and love and feeling of worthiness that you've been getting from them, we really have a problem. Because you get it, your whole equilibrium will be thrown off because you have relied on them to give you the sense of worthiness. And what do we say the title was, an inside job. If at any point they waver from what you feel they have been giving you, it creates a whole problem. It does. It creates a whole problem. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have relationships with one another. Because I know, I'm aware that some people then say, well, if we, can't, if we can't look to people, then can we not have friends? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's where we place people in the context of our, our lives. Now, the problem with putting people in a position where they define our worthiness is this. Simple answer. You will be let down every time. You will. Because they're still trying to figure out how they feel about life as well. And if you catch them on a wrong day where they're not feeling quite good about themselves, but you expect them to make you feel good about yourself when they're not feeling good about their selves, we have like a stalemate. Do you get what I'm saying? And the problem is, it's actually an impossible standard to hold anybody to anyway. I wouldn't want to be held to that sort of standard because it's actually not It's impossible in a way to ever live up to that. Now, so then you say, well, how do we have relationships with one another? And this is the key point. What happens is, rather than co-creating together because we both feel worthy, let's come together here. I feel settled that I'm just being me, I am me. I want to contribute what I feel and what I have to offer. Can you contribute what you have to offer? And let's just come, let's bring it to the table. What happens is, we become codependents. all heard that word, where we actually depend on each other in order to survive. And, and again, that's not a way for, way for living life and you will never ever feel free or settled whilst ever that is the way of being. So in our quest to regain worthiness, we need to look within ourselves. So let's move on. <clears throat> so why do we struggle to get it back? If you just put the next slide up, please. Worthiness has not left you, you have left it. i say that again. Worthiness has not left you, you have left it. Uh, I think it was Julie Fletcher the other Wednesday, she would mentioned a talk that I'd done way back now about are you tuned into God FM or Sad FM? Can you remember that one? And, and this again is the same concept. If worthiness FM is here, and unworthiness FM is over here, you have to decide which one you're going to tune into, because to play them both is going to be a real racket. Yeah? It's going to cause a problem. Now, I've heard it said before, and I love this, that there is no such thing as darkness, only the absence of light. So in a way, you could say there's no such thing as unworthiness, there's just the absence of worthiness yeah but the feelings that that creates are ultimately what we call unworthiness so here's the big problem the more disconnected we feel the more downtrodden we then start to feel and then what happens is this we start to bang the drum of unworthiness we're not worthy we're a problem I love the, the scripture that says out of the abundance of the mouth the heart speaks And, you know, it's interesting. The very, very first words in Genesis are, and God said, let there be. And in saying, let there be, um, formlessness turned into matter. And yet, for some reason, we've believed that we don't have that same breath within us, but it actually says the breath, the spirit was breathed within us. And sometimes we wonder, you know, I even find myself like, you know, in talking to my very close friends, you know, I'll be talking, and I'm so aware of the sound that's coming out of my mouth and I'll think, this is not, this is not a worthy sound. Do you get what I mean? This is not, and I'll, I'll, I'll nip myself and think, no, 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 this is, this is not a worthy sound. This is not, I'm declaring things, I'm banging a drum, that ultimately is not creating good things for me in this moment. Is this making some sense? Very quiet. <clears throat> now, this is to help some of you. There's nothing worse than when you're in a really, really sad and unsettled place within your life and someone just tells you to snap out of it. It's, it's really annoying, right? It's annoying. And in a way, just very, very unhelpful because just because you aren't where they are And that doesn't mean that then we should start third partying and be like, oh, you know, yeah, I'll come down and be all sad or whatever. We're not saying that. But the problem is, whilst ever you're saying, oh, just, it'll be reet, get out, you know, snap out of it. Have you heard it'll be reet? I hate that one as well, just like (laughs) that. It'll be reet, don't say it. You with me on that one, Claire? Yeah, it'll be reet now. It won't be reet. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. It's funny because... In a way, they're actually right. So to say, come on, snap out of it; it'll be right. In a way, they're kind of right because you tuned into one station, you just need to tune into another. However, and here's the problem: when someone—and I'm—and again, this is being very personal here—if you have lived a particular way or th- or thunk certain thoughts. For a, for a long, long time, that has become your natural default way of thinking, right? You tell a heroin addict to snap out of it. First of all, well, an, an alcoholic or whatever, it would actually kill them. Like they would die. Because the degree that you are asking them to, first of all, biologically, it just would not work. Because their body has become so codependent on a particular substance. See, it's funny how when we often talk about addictions, we talk about alcohol and drugs, right? I wish codependency and the need for people's approval and the need for other people to define your worthiness and the need for somehow you to have everything that someone else has in order to feel good. To me, I would say they actually affect more people on this planet without doubt than drugs and alcohol. It, it, and, and and it's no different within the church, might I add. You know, it, again, when, you know, when way back, drugs and alcohol, sex were the taboo subjects that were the ones that were often mentioned. And yet, behind the scenes of all that, there were people who felt really unworthy. And that to me is such a massive problem. Do you not think people who feel like they're no good and that there's somehow a problem and they're constantly trying to bridge this gap that actually doesn't exist if only they realize that they've stepped outside of it? You know, is this making some sense? So, again, allow yourself the chance and the right to to take the necessary steps to get onto a different journey. And for those of you who see someone who's struggling, Let's be sensitive to that and allow them to walk that journey rather than just trying to get them from, like, here to here. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah? So, this is my last part. How do we get it back? I suppose this is the answer, isn't it? You know, all what I've just given you there is the setup to understand why we lose it. And, and, you know, most of you will have seen how that works in your life. But the question is, how do we get it back? Like, what are the things we can do in order to achieve that feeling? So, first and foremost, we must acknowledge that, put the slide up, please. Our feeling of worthiness or lack of it is a belief determined by what we are observing and not caused by external forces. Now, I was almost worried about putting that in. It's weird, isn't it? I deleted it a few times, retyped it, whatever. And it's because that therefore means we have to take ownership of how we feel. It does. And that doesn't mean that you haven't been in situations where people have been cruel and where people have upset you and where things haven't gone quite right and there's been failures in partnerships and the fact is we face lots of stuff for lots of different reasons. But for me, if we don't acknowledge first that this is something that's going on within us and stop pointing the finger at what's outside of us, that's already, we're not on the right, the right road. So right here, right now, if any of you are feeling that sense of, actually, this is something I struggle with. It's definitely something that I have a problem with. Here's your first choice. Just own the fact that, and don't blame yourself. Right? Remember, we're banging a different drum now. This doesn't make you unworthy. It's actually a really good place to be. You can just say now, oh, yeah, okay, no, this is an inside job. Right? Let's just, for a second, we're trying to find the kingdom within, yeah? Whatever's gone on externally, as hard as it may be, we're not going to talk about that anymore. We're just going to look inside and see, like see what's going on just for a second. Now, what happens is it becomes a belief, just like smoking. You know, you'd say, 40, is it 40 you've got to do in a row or you know, like over a period of time before it becomes an addiction? our confession and our belief about our life and what we feel is just the same. It becomes a consistent way of thinking. I I love the the thing of a belief is basically just thoughts that have gained momentum. Lots of thoughts, thinking the same. You can no longer catch up with those thoughts anymore. And it literally, it basically, it carries you. You don't drive it. It carries you. Yeah. Now, The next thing that we need to do is this. We need to own that there are no exceptions, none, no exceptions whatsoever to yours or anyone else's worthiness. None. Including people that you see on TV that you don't like. Notice I didn't name names or say anything. I'm, ser- no, I'm, I'm being genuinely serious. I'm being genuinely serious. Remember, worthiness is not based on behavior. Worthiness is based on how God views people. Now that doesn't mean that the person that you don't feel is worthy or people that you don't believe are worthy haven't stepped outside of that attitude and belief. We're not saying that. But it's not your job to believe that therefore because of certain behaviors that you don't like that makes somebody unworthy. Because in a way, all you're then doing is doing it to somebody else, what you feel, which is not helping anybody. And it's certainly not helping you. It's not helping you. Yeah, can I suggest if there's figures and people in your life, particularly with the media, and I'm just going to be upfront because it, it, we're all faced with it. Just pull back for a while, while you're on this process. Just, just pull back. Just, I believe that the TV can become an addiction, Facebook can become an addiction. And we are, we often go looking for things to almost support the views that we have of life. Just back off, just for a while, like rehab. You know know what I'm saying, don't you? That sense of just backing off whilst you can change, tune into something else. Yeah, yeah? So, whilst ever we are convinced that stuff or actions define our worthiness, we will never regain it even though it's constantly available to you. Yeah? So why do we find it so hard to recognize even though it exists, whether we like it or not? A lot of that has come down to our view of God, in a way. And we've talked about it a lot. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But humans have got this very, very mixed view of how God works and how he sees people. So on one hand, you've got vengeful and wrathful. Basically, he's going to, what did he, what is it? He's going to smite you and dangle your children over the, what was that really horrible thing that, you know, they read that time that someone had said, um, Basically, a vendetta against the sins of man. But in the next breath, we're shouting and singing that God is love and that nothing can separate and that he's freed us into, you know, and the joy that overflows. Do you get the disconnect between these two, these two problems? So first of all, we have to view God correctly. Yeah? Which comes first, chicken or egg, ourselves, God. We have to understand that God in its entirety sees you as worthy. Yeah? In spite of whether you've walked away or not, that worthiness is a, a constant flow to you. So, how do we start the process? I mentioned this earlier. We don't start by trying to jump the chasm. Do not try and jump this huge gap that has been formed over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, because I guarantee you, you will fall. It just will not work. It will not work. Instead, we start incrementally. You know what that means? Stages. Yeah? And I love what Jenny played last week. We start by making our bed. Yeah, I thought that video was awesome. Start by making your bed. We hear so much of this, that and everything else, and you know, "Oh, I want to achieve this and I want to." Achieve... Just start by making your bed, and looking at that thinking, "I am worthy of a made bed, and it's great." And I also made it for me, which is great, because that's how worthy I am. Some of you can't get your head around that. The reason you can't get your head around that is because it's too small because you're wanting to jump the chasm. But you can't get over there unless you first start doing these little tiny things that you haven't done for the last however many centuries. Yeah, Feels like that for some of you. So, make your bed. Make yourself a nice meal. Make someone else a nice meal. Appreciate something about you something small, appreciate something about somebody else. Danny said it great earlier on. Just look, take everything away, any bit of information that you have access to, take it away just for one second. And just walk outside and just, in your sphere right now, look at what's going on. We need to be grateful, because actually in this moment, we're in a lovely building, we're all together, you know, we're learning some great stuff, I hope. Um, we have some great music, but did you hear what I'm saying? There's actually a lot of good things going on in your life, but we become influenced by so many different things that we get affected by actually the goodness that exists around us all the time. I follow a, um, a page now on, on Facebook called Good News Network. I follow that and Tasty for recipe ideas. That's the two things that I follow. It's great. I scroll through for hours and I just think, mm. it's just great. But the Good News Network, do you know the stuff that we don't know about of just this awesomeness of stuff, that, the things that people are doing for each other, like this whole thing in Houston, the good stuff that people are doing for one another is absolutely immense. And we need to get more in tune with that than we do with... Do you hear what I'm saying? It's so important. That doesn't mean that you're going to live a life of no contrast because, sorry, this is how it works. You are going to hear stuff that you think, ooh. However, hearing the bad stuff should only ever push you back on to think, wow, I don't want to be experiencing that, so let's find all the really good stuff and start seeing what actually can happen in our world. Do you know, people are quite awesome. Like, literally awesome. And if only... The, negative, the things that we do negatively were switched over and channeled into the things that we do of goodness. I am telling you, what we would experience would be literally quite phenomenal. It really would, for your own life and for others. So, increments. And over time, we gradually become tuned into a different sound. So it starts with a decision and a determination. I haven't yet in my life met an unworthy person who feels happy and settled. I've yet to meet one that's actually happy and settled, yeah? You can often say, you know, well, oh, well, they're they're doing this, that, and this, and, you know, well, everything, you know, they must be happy and settled. Mm -mm. Someone who manifests unworthiness and is constantly desperately trying to compare and make things right, that doesn't come from a place of being settled, yeah? And we've understood that from from earlier. Where am I? Most of these people, including me, seek a new way. We want to feel different, don't we? You know that feeling when it's that niggly feeling of something's not right. We desire to get out of it. So at core, when we start to feel this, that is the start of your journey. When you're feeling downtrodden, things aren't quite all right, feeling like you're comparing, whatever, that is the start of your freedom right there when you, oh no, I'm not feeling right. There's something There's something. Not quite right here. That's the start of of, of this journey. Now, if feeling unworthiness comes from a gradual disconnection from self as we grow older due to what we said earlier about comparisons and observations of others, then surely it can only be fact that worthiness comes from reconnecting to self and letting go of our desperate need to observe and compare. Has to be. Regaining worthiness is not like achieving a PhD. You don't go and get it, and then stick it on your wall for everyone to view. It's just, that's just not how it's, how it's done. Which is why I say in a way it is achieved, because it's achieved in each moment by an inside job. Do you get what I'm saying? So don't try and find, we've often, again we were often sold this thing of getting there. And ultimately getting there used to be you get saved. Here's your issue, and I remember reading about, I think it was a Rob Bell book. Apparently, I don't know how they figured out the statistics, something like 92% of people who go to an altar call will go back the following week. Because in the week, they felt the same problems and therefore felt that they must have done something wrong, so they go back. Do you get what I'm saying? But if, if they only realised that actually this was an inside job and their perception and has nothing to do with something that needed to be received, but something that they need to step in to, it would be totally different. So I'm nearly there. So how much of our time is spent focusing on lack or the problems with either you or others or we spend observing our life or others? This will be a pretty good indicator where you are in your path to finding worthiness again. Listen to your language Listen to how it sounds. We just need to listen to ourselves a little bit more and not just allow ourselves just to really focus on what are the what are the things that I'm declaring, you know. Philippians 4, verse 8 says this Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things you know, I think I now would consider that probably my most favorite scripture. I honestly would. I've, I've actually used it quite a few times. I think it is absolutely bang on. Because again, when Paul was writing to whoever he was writing to, the Philippians, clearly because it's in Philippians, um, but he understood that everything was Oh, like, how are we going to get these people to change? And how are we going to do this? And how are we going to get the Jews to conform to the you know, new way of Christianity? And you can, you can see it all going on. What he was saying was, okay, maybe we just need to switch our focus onto that which is lovely and that which is good and that which is wholesome and that which is life and that which is joy and that which is freedom. When we start seeking those things, those things will start to flow to you because that's just how it works. Honestly, and I could get into all this, The term reaping what you sow, I use very different terminology for that now, but I do get what it means, and it does happen. But it's happening all the time, but we just don't see it because we have such a specific way of wanting to receive it. Do you know that stuff is coming to you all the time? All the time. And if only we will just watch and realize that when we start declaring different things and start believing different things, very quickly, actually, things start to shift around you but we have to be aware of it. And I tell you what, when it happens, write it down. Have a book where you write down, oh, I experienced this today. It'll be full before you know it. And this is the problem. We don't often focus on that which is good, joyful, whatever. You hear where I'm coming from. So start to practice feeling good. Practice feeling good more than you practice feeling unworthy. Yeah? Yeah? Practice it, just like you would practice a sport. It has to become a way of life. It has to become a new way of thinking, of being. And I guarantee you, the world will begin to change around you, but not because the world is any different, because it's always been the same, but your perception of it will change because an inside job will have taken place. Does that make sense? So, last thing before I go on my holiday. Thank you very much. I've got my sunglasses ready. Now, if you came here tonight feeling that disconnect, you know that disconnect that I've been talking about, that this constant fight between feel good, feel bad, whatever. Be really happy that you came with that feeling. Uh, Came tonight just feeling a bit downtrodden, a little bit, you know, heavy, whatever. Chris said something really great in the... The leaders' meeting the other week, and it's, it's something that I believe and, and stand by. She's very much somebody who needs to be told the problem, to see the problem, and then in seeing the problem, she's like, right, I now know how to, I know where I want to be. I don't want that. So now you've clearly shown me what it is. I feel like I've got the angle on what I now need to do to move forward. So if you've come tonight feeling a little bit unworthy, a little bit downtrodden, a little bit, oh. Comparing this and that and I'm not enough and this, that and the other. That's really good because you've got, to, you've got to hear this tonight. And that's great, isn't it? Ultimately, you've been put in a position where you can find freedom and you can get back into that place of absolute 100% gorgeousness, which is worthiness, and experiencing the reality that is you, which is absolutely, there is only one of you. You will never, ever, ever be replicated, ever, ever. And just remember that. You have one life. And this, is, this is your life. And what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? And, and the, it's in your hands. Yeah, and that's an amazing thing. See, it has an opportunity. So practice it. And we are now going to... Sorry, we're going to do it now. Yeah, has that been helpful? I hope it has. Yeah. You know, I understand that Some of these concepts can be quite heavy, but they're part of life, and um, someone's got to be brave enough to go there, and I appreciate all the talks we get here, because, do you know, it's interesting, unless you go looking for it, for example, like TED Talks, or you specifically go looking for psychological help, there's not a lot really being said to people that actually invest into people's lives, and I honestly believe that that's what we're here for, you know. I believe we're here to come together to remind us of lots of different principles and concepts. And ultimately, rather than it just being theory, we actually start living it out. I'm telling you, we'll sort it and it'll be amazing. So we're going to pay it forward now. So I know that Danny wants to say something quickly about um, the Clifton work that they've been doing. So love you lots and I will see you in a couple of weeks. All right. <laughs>